The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here. I'm the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, happy 13th anniversary, come and gone. What a show this weekend. We're going to talk all about it, but uh, your initial thoughts on how the weekend went. Uh, I guess I could say I was uh, happily surprised. You know, I think I talked about it last week that ticket sales weren't great. And it was like, you know, so much was going on and we ended up, you know, the last four or five days, we, we, we we literally doubled the front row, you know. We had one of the poorest pre-sales going into, like, Tuesday. And then, you know, we only had 43 front rows sold. And by the time the show started, you know, we ended up actually having to add chairs because my, my motto is always, you never run out of front row. So it's like... <laughs> If somebody wants to pay that extra money, you you want to give them that opportunity because I've learned through the years in most cases, if you can't get in the front row, you're not paying for the second row seat. So you'll just pay less for the general admission. So right. even though it seems like it's a $10 difference, it's really a $20 difference because most people are content with the the third row GA if they can't get the first row. So you know, we ended up doubling that. We had a really good walk up. You know, we put about 250 chairs out there, you know, hoping it would be look relatively full. And then we had to keep adding chairs. So, you know, kudos to everybody who came out. It was Father's Day. Um, you know, us alone did, you know, what was it? One, two, three shows on the AEW weekend. Uh, there was four others. There was three AEW shows. Then, because we had the anniversary three weeks later, it, it forced us to do a high octane a, a week later. And it was like there's been so much wrestling going on. So yeah. in the last three weeks, there's literally been 12 shows that we were involved. You know, nine shows, not counting the AEW, the three that they did. So, you know, you would think there's, you know, got to be some uh, wrestling fan burnout from 12 shows in a three week span. So, you know, and you're also and you're also not counting uh, any of the uh, shows that might have happened AEW weekend over that fourth course, you know, days. Like you said, you're looking at the shows that the collective put on. And then on top of that, there was that women's show the week before that. So in four weeks, and then there was the Versus show because uh, uh, Nick Holiday and uh, Duke Lawrence came straight from Versus to FSW on Sunday. 
so that's we're talking somewhere around 20 wrestling shows within four weeks yeah violence and suffering did a show the thursday night after ours you know so the fact of the matter is we had a really good turnout uh that that you know it was funny you had talked about injuries at the anniversary show uh last week and cody broke his nose uh we actually had three injuries. Matt Vandegrift uh, was part of two of them. He broke our fucking camera, and he <laughs> broke Corbin's face, the camera guy. So, <laughs> you know, he was walking around with dark sunglasses like he was Stevie Wonder. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, and that and that's not a... Not a cheap camera. Does that come out of uh, Vandegrift's payday? Does the envelope suddenly disappear? <laughs> yeah, I told him. I said, yeah, I'm not going to pay you for the next 30 shows. <laughs> oh, Matt better get signed quick. That's yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the moral of this story. Uh, you know, uh, the the first thing on the show was the um, Nick Bockwinkle Memorial Battle Royal. Um what is it like, do you think, when I, I think this might be one of the only times that the talent gets kind of used to what they would be doing uh, if it was, say, SmackDown or, you know, a televised show that, uh, let's say, goes to commercial, you know, and you have that kind of wait time uh, where they've just been introduced, but you come back from commercial and their theme is still playing. It feels like it's been, you know, three to five minutes of just theme for them standing in the middle of the ring. The guys in the battle Royal, because of the uh, video package that started off the show, they had a good bah, about three minutes or so in the ring, in the dark. How do you think that is for them getting used to something like that? And is it awkward when you have, the intent to beat the crap out of the other guys, but you can't start doing it until the lights come up in that bell rings. You know, it has to be. We've always had uh, issues with time constraints. And when we did the eight, uh, the, the bull tilt weekend, I saw Sammy Callahan do it in a uh, eight man scramble, which led into the opening. And yeah. when everybody gets an individual entrance, you know, that takes time. Now, Battle Royal is not an individual entrance, but you're introducing upwards of 25 people. So that's going to take five or six minutes. And it's like, you know what? We're always running late. Let's let's see if we can come up with a way to make it maybe a little less time. Because, again, the show ran long. It, it probably ran three hours and 15 minutes. Well, you know, it saved five to seven minutes. Uh, from where we ended up starting. So, because normally we might start five minutes late to begin with. <clears throat> then we do the intro, and all of a sudden it's, you know, 25 minutes after the hour, and we're just getting started. So, right. you know, I remember last anniversary, because we didn't do the, the Battle Royal, because we combined the, the Rumble into the two-day event. And right. when you're introducing individual guys and it's a rumble you can't really gauge the time 
and all of a sudden what you think might be 28 minutes ends up being 45 minutes from beginning to end. You know, that show was over four hours last year. Right. And that and that was just day one. So it was a true yes. WrestleMania weekend for you. Well, and speaking of the Battle Royal, let me ask you, um, you know, Bodie, Young Prodigy won, which I think was one of the smartest things to uh, get the fans really into it. That was an incredible pop when he won. Uh, was there any other individuals that stuck out in your mind uh, or that you heard good things about from either the fans or from uh, some of the other guys? Well, you know, uh, I, I think we presented uh, Duke and uh, AJ Mana in a very good light. Yeah. And they definitely have a lot of potential, but they still have a lot of work to do to get there. You know, Duke reminds me of a young Tyshawn Prince, but he's got to get that work in. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. he has all all the tools to be, you know, a, a monster heel in FSW. And, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, you see him. And, and the difference is with Tyshawn that Duke wrestles all over. And because he's young and experienced, he doesn't get always put in the best light. And right. I think that really needs to change. You know, you know, you can't be a monster here and then down the road you're not, you know. Right. We draw three, four hundred fans there, but everything is about perception in the wrestling business. So if the perception is Duke is gonna struggle to beat an undercard guy, I cannot have him come into FSW. And destroy Graves or Hammerstone. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> right. It, it makes the rest of the roster not look very good. So, you know, we're, we're working on it. Again, you know, he's not a kid, but he's right. new to the business. So, you know, hopefully talking to him, it's a little easier than a 21-year-old kid who doesn't really understand not alone wrestling, but life. You know, right. here, here's a grown man, has a family. You know what I mean? So hopefully we can get him in the uh, going in the right direction. And, you know, he wasn't there, MK, but, you know, I see two potential uh, additions to <laughs> rebuild the MK army right there. Yeah, because, I mean, AJ Mana, AJ Mana is, is fabulous as well. And, you know, I think uh, I think he's off the radar right now, you know, in, in a lot of uh, – in a lot of circles, and I think that that's going to, you know, change within the next year. I think he's going to be someone who's getting a lot of buzz. Um, was there any temptation, you know, obviously Bodie being, um, it, obviously the, the, the thinnest guy in the Battle Royal, was there ever any temptation of uh, doing something like, tossing Bodie into the front row and then having him work his way back in without touching the floor? No, to be honest with you, you know, I kind of let Sin, you know, kind of put together the match. Yeah. You know, I gave him what I needed. I told, you know, I had him, you know, I had the meeting beforehand and, you know, talked to them about what I was looking for. And, you know, certain matchups and things like that of where we might want to go moving forward. 
but you know, he couldn't have couldn't have did it any differently than what I would have wanted. You know, right. uh, yeah, you know, I broke it down who who we want in the in the final ten, the final five, the final three. You know where we're going in that situation, and you know they they did the Andre the Giant thing with Duke, which got a big pop when he got tossed because uh, he's a big dude. You know, people take notice. You know, as good as smaller guys like you know nobody's going to tell me anybody's better than Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift. I love those guys. You know, but when you see a guy like Big Duke, that's a guy. You know, you. You take a step back. It's like that's not the dude you want to walk into in an alley, you right. know, in the middle of the night and mouth off to him. You know what I mean? With Jay Vidal, you might think you can whoop his ass. You know what I'm saying? Right. With, with, with Big Duke, when you're five foot seven, 170 pounds, it probably isn't a wise move to get in that guy's face. Right. Right. And and it the perception really that that spot really worked, and I think. I think Duke, you know, after talking to him oh. afterwards, I think he understands that what what is being asked, what he's looking at in terms of wrestling as as big as he is, you know, making that, you know, protecting the fact that he is a big man. He should be working as a big man. Uh, and then finally, on the, the Battle Royal, let me ask you, uh, in talking to some of the guys uh, who were in it, uh, beforehand, a lot of like the Arizona guys, the younger guys who were in it were so excited to be included. And some of them even surprised that they were, you know, getting the opportunity to be in the battle royal. Does that speak to what you're seeing in not only the ability of the guys, but also the professional manner that those guys come in with? Um, you know, the way that they, you know, literally they shake everyone's hands. They're very, uh, yes, sir. And, and very polite with their manners. Um, well, well that- they know, they, they know that if I hit up Gallo and let them know they were being a douchebag, he would probably <laughs> stick him in a closet after he beats the fuck out of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's the old school mentality of how things are. You know, there was there was a few of our guys that were penciled in to be the bat in the battle royal that I didn't see Thursday, I didn't see for setup Sunday, I didn't even see for the show. So even wow. if they were on the show, they weren't on the show. You know, wow. there was a couple of them that worked the shows this weekend. You know, I saw one in particular working Saturday. I saw one working Sunday. You know, that's cool. You making your choice. Uh, you know, I'm taking, you know, a few weeks off because we've had so many things. We're coming back July 22nd and I'm instituting a different policy. It's kind of like you expect everybody to be there. It's like, you know what? We're doing a show July 22nd. I will contact you about your availability. If I don't contact you, then you're not booked. A lot of the younger guys show up or just assume they're going to be on the show. You know what? We're not doing that anymore. You know what? We, we're, we're using guys that are deserving to be in the spots. Some of the younger guys, not because of anything they did wrong, but they're not ready for that position yet. And we're going to make sure that future shocks and high octanes and meccas and all that are going to be separated the way they need to be. If you're not good enough, then you're not good enough. 
And right. it's not being not good enough because you suck. It's, it's, it's you're not good enough because you're not ready yet. You haven't had enough work yet. And I can't never put you on a show because then you'll never be ready. But Future Shock needs to really focus on those younger guys, the Arizona guys who come in. And, we, you know, we've already seen a guy like Blair Brody break out and Devin Reno that they're really capable of being in main matches on bigger shows. So they will get that opportunity. But, you know, some of our younger guys that we've kind of put in there, you know, and sometimes you do it because you have to, but it's like, you know, I'm going to make sure that moving forward, you're going to see top tag team guys like Tito and Che or Gatson or Eli Everfly or, or some of those really outstanding guys that you may have seen, you know, even wise guy who always wants to be here. You yeah. know, these are guys that where they where they come from, they're big fucking deals. They haven't had the opportunity to be the big deals. You know, Gatson had a run years ago. He's come back and he's in the best shape of his life. You know, Eli Everfly, we didn't use that often. And then when we started to, people were like, holy shit, this guy's a bad motherfucker. And, <laughs> you know, a guy like Juicy and Toa, yeah. how they became regulars for what they did. And unfortunately, we lost Toa because he signed AEW, Ring of Honor, with you know, whatever it is. And those guys are the ones that are going to catapult everything, especially now when there's five other shows in town. And a lot of the mid-card to lower-card guys work everywhere in girls. Well, you know what? I need to separate ourselves, especially when we run a smaller show. When we run a bigger show, you know, it's usually a bigger deal. You know, the last anniversary show, you know, there was Juicy, there was Toa, there was EC3, there was Danny Limelight, you know, there was TJP. But now New Japan ran so and and tjp in new japan in japan he's over there and tom lawler and danny limelight and the one percent and then all of a sudden impact has the pay-per-view and there's chris bay and anybody else we might use i would say it's been a very long time since we ran an anniversary show that basically was all the main roster localized guys Right. You know, where the out-of-town guys are Hammerstone and Jacob Austin Young, who've been with us for 10 years. You know, Graves wasn't even on the show. You know, right. everything was localized. There was no fly-ins. There was no big names. Yet we outdrew our FSW Revolver show that had, you know, 15 guys on it that are known on an extremely national uh, level. Right. Right. And that's, you know, that's something that I think that there was a pride amongst, uh, you know, everyone involved. Uh, You could tell that they were happy to see that as being the local talent, as being the guys who have been uh, either wrestling for the company for, you know, anywhere from a decade to, to, you know, the full 13 years, um, there was just this you know, swell in the chest that they had so much pride in the fact that the fans came out for them and they didn't need the, um, you know, the Matt Hardy 
to to really have uh, an amazing turnout in the crowd. And the crowd was hot. And I think, like I said, Bodie winning the Battle Royal was the first step in that being wonderful. And then the next thing is you open your first singles match being Jay Vidal versus Matt Vandegrift. <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys could probably wrestle again, uh, a 60 minute Iron Man match, uh, you know, to, to bury the hatchet, to, to do a third, a blow off. Um, that's how good they are. And that's how well they've worked together. And then the fans got one of the nicest little surprises when Jay Vidal cheated. And are we finally going to see that bad bitch coming out of uh, Jay? Well, you know, I, I, I put that match initially going to be opener to like really give the hot opener and things like that. And, you know, there, there was some things about it that, that, that irritated the fuck out of me. It was like, you know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, I, I know athletically those guys are going to go out there and kill it, which they did, which really sets the tone. But, you know, all of a sudden there was thing, there's a ref bump, there's a low blow, there's 27 near falls. It's like, guys, you yeah. know, save some for the rest of the show, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that was the one issue I had, you know. Well, you know, Joe, I mean, the, the fact of the matter, too, too is uh tom crawford you know he's sitting there ringing the bells and uh, got his bell rung in the first match so uh <laughs> and he amazingly the first was match, to... that was remy's match what do you mean oh that was remy's oh that's right it, it felt like it was that match um but no, he uh, got super he got super kicked by remy that's it's right. funny watching that meme his head hits back like smashes against the guardrail but you know Thank God there's nothing in that head, so it didn't really affect anything for Tom. <laughs> uh, so, you know, with with Jay now becoming, once again, a no, the No Limits champion, um, being a heel, does that give you a little more flavor now? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? He's not, he's not a heel. He just did something that... Turn the match around. That doesn't make him a heel because, you know, so was Steve Austin a heel because he did a lot of uh, a lot of shit stuff that he did. You know, uh, half the crowd. When Matt Vandegriff won, and again, Jay Bidow takes things a little too personal. So everybody loves Jay Bidow, Matt Vandegriff, who's one of the most popular wrestlers, wins. And the crowd cheers. So, right. of course, Jay Vidal looks at it as, oh, they turned my back. They turned their backs on. Now, Jay Vidal wrestles Matt Vandegrift, and then Jay Vidal wins, and a bunch of the people cheer. So does that mean they just turned their back on Matt Vandegrift? Or does it mean, oh, cool, it's a title change, just like the most hated guy, Gregory Sharp. There was still a lot of people who cheered for him because they got to see history. They got right. to see a title change. You know, when if Jay Vidal would have wrestled Action Braxton and that happened, yeah, maybe because here's a guy or Danny Rose, right, and the Suavecitos. But you know, when when Matt and 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 Damian Drake were the unguided, you know, they did things that presented them as heels, 
And they were able to, you know, wrestle death proof. And at the time, death proof got way more cheers. But as things progressed, being that they were a cool tag team to watch, they forgot about the, the, the dastardly deeds the unguided did. And the fans got behind them like they had done before. Because when you see things you like, you're going to cheer. You know, right. Jay Vidal can be an asshole and try to, to cheat to win and doing all that stuff. And, yeah, you know, on paper, if you look at it, maybe he's a heel. But people who like him are still going to cheer him. Remy Marcel is a guy who kind of turned heel on Gregory Sharp when he was hyper streak. And that kind of catapulted Gregory Sharp to what he is now because everybody cheered Remy Marcel for doing shitty things to Gregory Sharp. Right. You know, is Clutch a baby face and Nick Xander a heel? Because after Clutch lost, he beat the shit out of Nick Xander. And people like watching somebody get the shit beat out of him. And after he splashes him, they're chanting one more time. Right. But I guarantee you with the next show, they're going to be cheering Nick Xander. Well, you know, and, and that, I guess what I'm looking at is with Jay now retaining the, t- or, or getting the title back, is, is there fresh matchups that you see in the future? Are there guys that Jay might not have worked that you're looking at? And because of what you just said too, there's such a gray area now between, you know, heels and faces and the fans you know, liking heel activity because it's this guy or liking face activity because they're going against someone they hate. Um, can you can you foreseeably see things that Jay can do as champ now that he hadn't had the chance to do in his first run? Well, I'm waiting for Jay Vidal versus Matt Vandegrift 4. I'm waiting for Jay Vidal versus Eli Everfly 3, you know, I'm waiting for a Nevada State champion, Gregory Sharp, who beat Jay Vidal in in a grudge match at the last anniversary show versus the No Limits champion, Jay Vidal, for a match there. You know, I'm waiting to see Damian Drake versus Jay Vidal. You know, who knows? You know, I don't know if anybody's actually waiting to see Braxton versus Jay Vidal. But, you know, now that he has the case... You know, it could be. I'm hoping Braxton cashes in against Hammerstone. I'd love to see that match. I think there was I think there was a small feeling going around, uh, you know, from a couple people that I talked to that seemed to feel that <clears throat> um, Braxton would potentially get to cash in the case that night on Hammerstone. Because of the fact that Ice and Hammerstone, I mean, talk about going to your limits. These guys just, holy crap, they left it all out there. Uh, that finisher was, man, Hammerstone posted that, uh, you know, that that meme of it. it. It was unbelievable what Ice did, A, with the post up and being able to, you know, for Hammerstone to hold him and Ice to be able to post like that was just un- unbelievable. The way uh, Ice and, Williams was able to stand up straight while Hammerstone held him up was amazing. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, that was Hammerstone's strength. 
Oh, uh, well, yeah. You got to give a little bit of credit on that posting up. But. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Nightmare Pendulum has always been one of my favorite finishers. And to do it from there, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. You know, there could have been a riot because between Braxton and uh, Ice Williams, I think they closed Dre's down where, where they uh, frequent, you know. <laughs> Because if you didn't know any better, you would have thought Ice Williams was the baby face there. I I a hundred percent agree, and I think that there was an energy, the uh, the near falls, um, just watching people react when it looked like Ice was going to win, and those fans of Ice, it was crazy to see the reactions. And yeah, th- thank God he didn't win, because now I can hopefully get them to come back if we do a rematch. <laughs> Oh, this is the 27 more matches. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, but, that, but that brings up a good point, and that is how hard is it to for you to not pull the trigger quick enough? You know, so because that temptation is there of like, well, hey, we could do something where that that case is taken, and then we could do the quick cash in. And you've you've done that before, uh, not very often. Graves was the only one who actually cashed in the same day, and that was when they cashed in the tag belts. Right. After one became, you know, one was the heavyweight champion, the other became the Nevada State champion, and then later on they became the tag champion. So that right. was, you know, that was a pretty huge moment, you know, when we did that. So in most cases, you know. You know, as much as an annoyance Braxton can be, he he isn't an idiot. So now, if he cashes in and loses, he's back to square one of nothing. Now he possesses the Holy Grail, the Infinity Stone. Now, he can wait as long as possible, and now people have to pay attention to him. If he cashes in and loses, nobody's paying attention to him. So he could take the whole year. Or wait for that right opportunity to slide in and after somebody gets destroyed, walk in and not have to do anything, which he's good at, and then become a champion by not doing anything. Well, that brings up a question that I have, and I don't know if you've ever done it before. (laughs) Is the cash in the case something that could actually be put on the line over the next year in a match? Um where Braxton could actually potentially lose the cash in the case. Well, I believe that has actually happened before. So Jacob Austin Young has actually won the cash in the case twice. And he has never cashed in. Okay. Uh, The first time was when the following United uh, at the Silverton and Jacob Austin Young had the case. Bryce Harrison was gone for a year, and they were all under the masks, and they cashed in the case. And when the referee counted to three, Bryce Harrison unmasked as Bryce Harrison, and it wasn't Jacob Austin Young. Yeah. So that's how that happened. Then uh, there was a feud after that involving the following where they kind of broke up. And Jacob Austin Young wrestled uh, 
cutthroat or crash test or whatever he was called. And the cash in the case was on the line. And I'm pretty sure Cody beat Jake for that. So Jake has never cashed in, even though he's the only guy to win it twice. <laughs> uh, and overall, with that match, um, what did your what were your opinions on uh, what you saw of the match? Uh, did you think that the the spots were uh, were part of the story? Do you think that they told a, a, a story well enough with what they were, you know, given? And it, it's hard to do seven people in a ladder match a lot of the times, especially when one of the guys who I think impressed impressed me. Well, two guys impressed me. Laz did some great stuff, uh, and and Ricky Tenacious, man. He showed that he can work. Um, yeah, you know, everyone had to sit through uh, Ricky's uh, Ricky's uh, singing, uh, which was I, I had to sit through it twice, bro. It was like he practiced it beforehand. It's like Jesus Christ, <laughs> I got to hear this shit twice, dude. I got I got there before you did, and I actually uh, sat through not only. I sat through the walkthrough about three times, so I, I knew what was going down for for a while, and it was it was phenomenal though. It was a good setup, um, and there was just some good spots in there. Uh, when you look at the success, you know you got, and it's hard to sometimes you get lost in that. You had a guy like Damian Drake in there, um, who. You know, he ended up doing a couple really amazing spots, uh, really nice stuff. And sometimes that can get overshadowed because you have someone like Braxton, who, of course, creeps in at the end and, and steals the case. Um, is it hard when you look at it on paper to just kind of go, OK, how is this going to work out? What do I need from these guys and is it hard to convey that and get it executed uh, story-wise as needed? Or does that help because you have guys like Cody and uh, Jacob Austin Young and Funny Bone and Damian Drake who have such a uh, veteran presence in terms of having, you know, wrestled these types of matches uh, a number of times? And does that also add itself to the value of it being an anniversary show to have guys who have had ladder matches in company a number of times show up and, and just really put it all out there. You know, without a doubt, but you got to remember, you know, guys like Cody, you know, they, they've gotten a lot older, you know, from when they were more maybe willing to do yeah. the craziest shit in the world. You know what I mean? When you're trying to establish yourself, it's a little different than when you are established. You know what I mean? So now you got the younger cats coming in. They want to do all this crazy stuff. And maybe you're kind of like, hey, yeah, you know, kid, I used to do that. Maybe maybe we could tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, Phony, Phony Bone never wants to tone it down. But, you know, he, he got the staple spot in. And it was a little, yeah. a nice little two-minute comedy segment that got over with the crowd. I'll be honest, I was in and out talking with people and I watched a good amount of it. I didn't see Cody get fucked up. My kid I was talking with with somebody else and he was talking about how Cody got fucked up. And then when I saw him get up, I saw all the blood and, yeah. you know, and then, 
you know, later on, he, he, he kind of went crazy, you know, but Cody's a guy who's been known to go crazy. So, you know, if you got punched square in the face and broke your nose, you know, how, how would you react? You know, I, I would think that, that that's, that's at least that's a good excuse to, right. to, to uh, get a little crazy, you know, right. when you get fucked up in a match like that, you know what I mean? But the younger guys seem to do well, you know, heard, you know, glowing reports, you know, uh, amongst the crew. And I think it's good to have that, you know, veteran presence mixed in with a guy like Ricky and Braxton, who, you know, have never been in that match before. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it's like, for them, that's probably... For Laz, Braxton, and Ricky Tenacious, you know, I have to believe that that is the biggest match they've ever had in their careers. You yeah. know, you know, it's a major showcase show on the biggest, you know, showcase event that we have, our anniversary show. And, you know, pretty much everybody from beginning to end, you know, the Battle Royal is a Battle Royal punch kick, you know, trying to throw people over. It's a clusterfuck, you know, let's be honest. It's a battle royal, you know, but you're giving some opportunities to, to people who work hard, but work hard enough to that they're capable of being in that match, which don't confuse with being capable of being in a 10-minute match on a high octane. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's for some guys like, you know, Warren and Andy and a few others to get their feet wet and, and see what it's like to actually be in an important match. And yeah. now hopefully strive to say, you know what? I was in the battle Royal. I want to be in the rumble, you know, yeah. being in the rumble is different. There's less people in there. You get to showcase talents and, you know, we usually do a 30 man rumble. So there's definitely going to be spots available, but again, it's going to be the strong survive, man. We don't, we have, we're not handing those spots out. You, you have to earn it and you have to deserve it. Uh <laughs> And speaking of deserving, and I think this was one of my favorite matches because it was a match that wasn't supposed to happen. And that was Brett the Threat versus Sim Bodie. And Cal Jack, um, you know, had some things going on uh, where he was not able to make the show. So here you go. What do you do? And the choice of Sin coming in and, and accepting that challenge that Brett threw out there. Um, boy those two you know being teacher and student uh man they worked really good uh was that something that in your mind when you wanted to make sure that brett still had a match on the card was it sin who came to you did you go to sin was there any other thoughts of other people that might be you know available because you know for uh for old man uh sin there that was a battle royal and about a you know ten minute match or so with with Brett the Threat who is you know no joke he's he's very very uh, competitive when he gets in the ring so was that something that just came together and and worked nicely because you know Sin knows uh, how Brett works and and was able to step in and and give a, a wonderful match. Well. You know, we'll go back a little bit at a time. I had no knowledge of Cal Jack 
not going to be there. All I know is I, I saw some pictures and I was confused because I know at the show the night before, Death Proof was supposed to wrestle Bodie and Caljack. And I'm looking at the pictures and I'm wondering why Kid Isaac was in one of the corners. Yeah. And I didn't know. And then I kind of found out that it was uh, Bodie and Kid Isaac. So now, you know, the antennas went up, but I didn't know the reason why Caljack wasn't there. And I had no knowledge of it. And then I got a call from Brett, very panicky and, you know, very, you know, very down because he was like, hey, bro, you know, we got a problem. Uh, Cal Jack's not going to be there. Uh, he has an emergency he's got to take care of. So in the back of my head, I kind of thought that this could happen, but really didn't prepare for it. So right. it's kind of like. Okay, and he's like, oh, you know, what do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I got some people coming. I'm like, bro, we'll figure out a match for you. There's no way we're going to do this and just not have you in a match. And then it was trying to figure out where we're going to go. And it's like, you know, if Brett is going to demand a match against somebody, you can't have a match against a Battle Royal participant that is barely a low-card guy who, who wrestles on occasional shows here and there, nobody's going to really care about that match. Right. And, like, you know, in all honesty, my first thought was Bodie because Bodie and Cal Jack together, the reason Cal Jack and Brett are in this feud is because of Bodie. Right. But it was like, you know, Bodie was positioned to be in the Battle Royal it would, it would kind of take away from his moment if he wins the Battle Royal to now get into a fight with Brett. You know, where do we go with the finish in that? You know, right. I'm not bringing Brett in and it's like, oh, you know, great. Let's let, let's go do another schmoz, you know. Yeah. And to be honest, I was thinking and I'm like, hey, I think uh, Brett the Threat and Blair Brody would be a good match. But my 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 senses were we're in the process of trying to build Blair Brody for people to care and they're starting to, but having him work Brett the threat right now is probably not in the best options of what we're looking for. And credit Brett, he was like, Hey, what about sin Bodie? And, and I wasn't thinking about it. And when uh-huh. sin came in, I'm like, Hey, I need you to do the battle Royal, but Hey, this is what I need. And he said, absolutely. You know, he, he's, you know, been in the trenches with Brett from the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, it ended up becoming a teacher versus the student thing. And Brett the Threat, who has been, you know, very, very strong and has done huge things for a guy with his experience level that, you know, that's a big win for him. And, you know, we still expect, whether it's at the next show or the show after, for Cal Jack and, and Brett the Threat to happen. Yeah. And also, Sin got to take a nap at the end of the match with the sleeper uh, win that Brett had. So, there you know, we did. Thank, thank God his girl was there to sell his merch. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, anyone listening uh, or watching who has uh, never checked out Sin Bodhi's uh, LJN wrestling figures, the custom ones he does, uh, check it out. You're you're gonna want to look into purchasing one because they are pretty spectacular and see him up close uh he even has uh, a duke the dumpster drossy one what are you kidding 
Yes. He's got like the most obscure, crazy, like 80s and 90s guys that you're like, holy shit, I can't believe he did one of that. And yeah, you know, I'm not one to, you know, put sin over that much, but that stuff's really good. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's what we need. Uh, sin, uh, we need a Joe DeFalco LJN figure for, uh, for students, I bet you that'd be a high seller because a lot of students would probably want to. Actually, we need a Rocky T one because that'll be the biggest seller because Rocky <laughs> T will buy a hundred himself. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you had a good tag team match with uh, uh, TBD uh, defending the titles against uh, uh, Fresco <laughs> and Watson. Um, you know, you had that match kind of, you know, it was in a position right before the main event. Um, So, you know, it it was at a point where I think that fans were still into it, but they had just come off the, uh, the Remy and Greg Sharp match. Um, Was that, was that a tough spot? And actually was that a very good spot for uh, those guys to be in to just kind of learn about that feeling of, Hey, it's it's still a big match, and even though there was so much thunder in that last match with all the weapons used and you know being a blood feud and etc., that now your job is to come out there and don't lose the crowd before the main event. Was that a good teaching moment to get their feet wet into kind of uh, you know knowing what that feels like in terms of being positioned on cards? down the future for them, no matter if it's in FSW or other places? Well, it wasn't meant to be. You know, the the initial semi-main to break off the no-holds-barred match was now going to be a ground match between Cal Jack and Brett the Threat. So gotcha. we were going to have the submissions match, which would be, you know, to, to take the spot here and do a totally ground-based match into yeah. the main event. So when we had to change it and it became more of a regular match with Sin Bodhi and, and Brett the Threat, the decision to move the tag match to the semi-main was because of the story we were telling that with TBD being involved and then getting involved in the main event, it, it's kind of like that old ECW style of one lead it into the other. and. Right. You know, I didn't want to burden the FSW heavyweight championship match by just moving everything back. And now that Hammerstone and Ice have to follow this crazy fucking no holes barred match. You know right. what I mean? So that seventh match, while it's important, you know, initially we were going to have a women's match in there. But right. conflict of schedule and not realizing the, the date was the Sunday instead of the Saturday Viva Van was unavailable. And, you know, the best way to go from one extreme to the other is putting in a women's match that now gets the guys excited again. So that was the initial match seven on the show. Then it became Brett and and Cal Jack, and then it ended up with being the tag title match. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that that was very smart in terms of putting that in there. Um, so finally, you know, to talk about that grudge match between Greg Sharp and, uh, 
and Remy Marcel. Uh, it's Greg's first championship in FSW. Um, and I think, you know, you kind of mentioned about the fans cheering. I, it was it was a wonderful moment to see the fans recognize not only the title changes history, but also the fact that, you know, Greg Sharp has been here all these years and has finally been able to, you know, win an elusive title. Um, and again, one of my favorite things is I have not seen a, uh, a brick or a cinder block uh, finish in a long while. And that it just, it looked awesome live because that thing just exploded when he hit him with it. Um, and there was some other good stuff. I, I've never seen uh, a, a straight-on decapitation-type uh, setup with Remy and setting Greg's head in the chair and almost coming down with the uh, the shovel onto uh, Greg's head and, and cutting it off. I'll tell I you what, I think, if he hit, I think if he hit him with that, that might have been the finish. Remy Marcel may have retained. <laughs> Man, if, if – yeah – <laughs> and 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 heads would have rolled uh and without a doubt <laughs> but it was just it was a wonderful you know it it was just a wonderful give and take in that match uh and and to show the respect that both of them have for each other um in the end is is what i think really stood out to me because it just it, there was not a moment in that match where I think the fans didn't think that either of them could win. Uh, and, and that also was a theme, too, for the heavyweight championship match, too. So, you know, real big kudos on, on those two matches, having the fans engaged like that. Um, what does it mean to you to finally see Greg get to the position, especially after, you know, just a, just a couple of years ago now, you know, the meeting in the grocery store where it seemed like uh, if Greg had the chance, he might've hit you with uh, something from the, uh, the frozen aisle. And uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he, he we, earned his respect. Actually, we were by the egg section at the time. He oh, was by the eggs, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, if, if there was, we didn't talk for, for a while, you know, and it, what's funny is Remy Marcel is the guy who talked to both sides to have a sit down. <laughs> nice. So Remy caused his own demise. <laughs> if there's no Gregory Sharp, because the thing is with Gregory Sharp, you forget how long he's been there. And he's another guy who was there, you know, during the Boulder highway days. But Greg was a guy who was always in and out. You know, and I've said it before, he'd be gone for six months. He'd come back. He'd be gone for two months. And he traveled all over the world. I remember he's like, oh, I'm going to hitchhike across America and work different places. Like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. It's like, you know, don't don't be hitchhiking in Alabama and shit. You know what I mean? It's like you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, and to be honest, you know, when you look back at things, Again, both both parties had their thoughts of how things were without looking at the other person. Right. And, you know, despite me putting over Greg and, 
and and making him sure he's the guy who's going to work one of the younger guys because of his patience and the other thing. He also looks at it as, hey, I've done so much for this company. It seems like I'm being overshadowed and other people are getting these bigger opportunities, you know. So and it's like, you know, when when the two heads prevailed, we came to an understanding in things. And despite all that, that didn't that didn't mean like, hey, Greg, I'm going to make sure you win a belt. That, yeah. that wasn't how it was, you know, because I wasn't the hugest fan of Hyperstreak. I didn't see Hyperstreak as that guy who could carry, you know, a championship. And we, we did that whole scenario. We set up the Nevada State Tournament, and it was Remy, who's really supposed to be a heel, versus Hyperstreak. And, you know, there was a reason why after that he went after Jay Vidal, and it was always the flavor of the month that the fans would get behind. They'd kind of like hyperstreak, but they loved that guy for a short time. They loved that guy. And now as the baby face coming in, he was getting basically booed because no matter what Remy Marcel did, the fans were cheering him. He yeah. was, he's the beloved guy. It's like Cody. It's like funny bone. Like those guys can do no wrong, you know? And after, you know, Hyperstreak lost. He put him through, you know, he pile drives him on the fucking wood and people are still cheering that, you know, Hyperstreak snapped. And now we have what came from that at, I believe it was changing of the game, probably in, you know, March or May of last year. Yeah. So now everything, you know, he feuded with Jay Vidal. He did a bunch of things. Remy was, feuding with class and you know we finally got back to the point of you know where it all started and you know it was a long storyline that you know really paid off you know we we took time away from it you know it's probably one of the few that we've done something like that where with with you know over six eight month period there was no no conversations no nothing with them then it became time. You know, he yeah. did what he needed to do. He got himself to a point where he felt he was ready. And now it's time to go after Remy Marcel. And it was time to go full circle. And now he, you know, he is now the new Nevada State champion. Now the question is, you know, who are guys that might be interested? You know, we have uh, one guy who couldn't make the show because he had an impact pay-per-view who sent me a message reminding me that the only championship he hasn't won is the Nevada state title. So, yeah. So yeah. Chris Bay, uh, even though he was at slam reversary, uh, he was paying attention to the going ons of FSW. So when he gets back, we're going to be having a conversation and who knows if uh, Chris Bay and Gregory Sharp might be the match. Yeah, and that's very, very interesting. Um, and what a what an opportunity for for Greg Sharp to uh, to make his name, solidify his name by beating the hell out of Chris Bay. I think very interesting to see that go down. And Gregory um, Sharp just came off a time limit draw with one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Who was also at Slammiversary, Davey Richards. Yeah. Yeah. As you say it, the, the representation at Slammiversary of FSW was uh, 
was pretty big. Uh, you know, Kenny King as well was uh, there. Kenny King, yeah, Sammy Callahan, yeah, yeah. There's just some some great stuff going on with uh, those guys. Fascinating that you know, even though they were not at the show, they had a pay per view going on at the exact same time, which is just. You know, just kind of uh, that weird conundrum in uh, pro wrestling when you have, you know, just representation at the same night at the same time on a different show, which is really cool. Um, Looking now forward, here we are. You got four weeks before the next show. Um, What are your expectations on how these next four weeks are going to play out for you? in terms of uh, giving yourself a reset of the batteries and kind of giving the fans a breather uh, before we head into, uh, which will be July, and that's the heart of summer. And, uh, you know, the the heat is going to be on in the city uh, pretty, you know, pretty harshly. And uh, there might be some some grudges coming up uh, just, based off of uh, what we've seen here, what are you looking forward to seeing over the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, in terms of getting yourself ready and what the future holds from that point on? You know, I like to say, you know, Joe's going to take a break. You know, we're not going to do a show for four and a half weeks, five weeks, whatever it was. But it's like, obviously, the next day I'm, I'm planning the attack. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, you know, we've come up with the name. It's going to be New Beginnings being that we have some new champions, new feuds have uh, have, have have been uh, you know planted the seeds for and things right. like that. But for this show with the new champions, I'm really trying to put together a special show. So what I'm looking to do now, No Limits Champion Jay Vidal is the new No Limits Champion. Well. I'm looking at Jay Vidal defending against maybe a former No Limits champion. Sure. I'm looking for – because I, I can confirm Jay Vidal, Hammerstone, Gregory Sharp, and TBD will be on hand. Okay? So maybe Hammerstone's going to wrestle a former FSW heavyweight champion. Maybe TBD's going to wrestle a former FSW tag team champion. Maybe we'll have an announcement about a women's vacated title happening that day. So if we're going to take five weeks off from the last show or four weeks and six days, actually five days because it's going to be on the Friday. So making that show something special for people to not want to miss. You know, there's a lot of no limits guys that – Jay Vidal can wrestle who he's never wrestled before or, you know, again, who's the former no limits champions that we, that we have utilized. You know, we, we have Chris Bay who lost to Jay Vidal on new year's Eve, Jacob Austin young, when it was the battle of J a I versus J a Y Brandon Gatson, who years ago was the no limits champion. You know what I mean? It's like, we can we go have that a, route. Matt Vandegrift, he is a former No Limits champion. Damian Drake, he's a former No Limits champion. You know, there, there's numerous guys. You know, same thing with the tag teams. You know, we've been talking with the 1% and the Reno scum and the commandos. 
you know, and there's death proof. And, you know, they, they might be having to handle their own issues. But yeah. those are all these teams that would be really interesting to see. You know, TBD has never pinned death proof. There was yeah. a three-way match where TBD pinned uh, the pinned Sky High. Uh, for the number one contenders match, you know, Toko Uso pinned Death Proof. Yeah. Become the champions that right. the match TBD was in. So there's never been a one-on-one match between TBD and Death Proof. So there's a lot going on there. Now, it might be a little more difficult with uh, the Hammerstone thing, but maybe Hammerstone just defends against a former champion. You know, Remy Marcel is a former FSW heavyweight champion. Right. You know, Damian Drake's a former tag and no limits champion. You know, so there's a lot of champions. Plus, there's guys that have been around that maybe we haven't seen that are, you know, looking looking for the return to, yeah. uh, you know, etch their name in stone as, as FSW champion. So... You know, I got some ideas and, you know, over the next week or so before my vacation long awaited, uh, you know, I hope to have the card, the, the flyer out. And that way people have a good three weeks before the show to be like, oh, shit, man, taking some time off. I need a break, too. I spent a lot of money. Uh, AEW weekend, full tilt. Yeah. You know, we had to run a show the week after the the weekend because we had a we had to do one show at least to set up for the anniversary show. So yep. now we're taking some time off. We're coming back July 22nd. We'll come back the uh, Friday or Saturday, two weeks later in August. And then August 21st is survival of the fittest. Well, you know, there's a lot of going ons in there, you know, obviously TBD and the faction and Hammerstone and the faction, you know, survival of the fittest is always kind of putting, things together so you know who knows you know what teams are going to be there you know again i got some good ideas of uh how we're going to move forward so you know recharge those batteries and you know i'm excited about what the future holds yeah and i think uh again fans uh who were at the show uh and fans who you know, quite frankly, couldn't make the show or watch FSW, you know, in another city or even in another country on the Internet. Um, you know, it, it's an exciting time. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the biggest factor is that um, everyone is treated like family at FSW in terms of the fans. Uh, the wrestlers really take that um initiative to make the fans uh as happy as possible um and uh you know well except except brandon g he's kind of a prick to people but you know other than him (laughs) well you know listen brandon g's getting his opportunities other places man pretty soon you're gonna have to be booking them in the main event so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working on that one as we speak, yeah. Brandon G versus Hammerstone. You main, know what? Event, I, main event anywhere. I, you know, I, I don't 
I don't think uh, I don't think the fans would mind seeing Brandon G versus Hammerstone because Brandon might uh, you know Brandon might get his ass handed to him and fans might like that. I, I just want to see the two brothers finally get together, Brandon G and Ricky G. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Any final thoughts as we wrap up, Joe? Uh, yeah, you know, it ended up being a, uh, uh, you know, very happy with everything that went on, you know. Uh, you know, I saw Corbin yesterday at ring set up, so uh, he's still alive. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't see what happened, but like the, the camera is fucking toast. And he was walking around backstage I was just waiting for the stick for him to walk. It was like guys were like trying to on each side kind of walk him. And he had these dark glasses on. Like, like, dude, this guy is fucked up. And and that's someone who did start, you know, a little bit of training and you know has has kind of transitioned to uh yeah, he, he he has an ankle injury. He's been out for a year and a half. He's got his yeah. uh, sprained ankle. So, so now you're not you're not going to get uh, him in the ring again for another three to four years because exactly, of the, uh... yes. <laughs> uh, but what an angle when he comes back from being blind. So yeah, you know, <laughs> we haven't seen Can't one wait. of those. <laughs> He's going to cause Matt Vandegrift the heavyweight title. Yeah, <laughs> it's only fair that he blows a, a fireball in Vandegrift's face for uh, revenge so well we or we could do the uh, harvey whippleman where the the light was what blinded him yeah <laughs> when they did the undertaker thing right <laughs> you know the blinding light caused me to get pinned <laughs> oh man well um everyone thank you for tuning in thank you for listening um really appreciative too of the fans again uh coming out for the show also, uh, the fans are going to be appreciative. They only have to look at a silhouette picture of you and not your goofy face. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the silhouetted picture is of my goofy face. So, <laughs> with, with, uh, the, but, with, the, with the Nick Xander throbbing heartbeat in the background <laughs> every time you speak. Hey, you, you know what? Nick says it best. You can't stop that heartbeat. Can't stop it. Well, if you do, then you won't know about it because you'll be dead. So Right. <laughs> uh, but, again, appreciative of everyone coming out. It was a great turnout, uh, and it was just wonderful to see uh, the fans' uh, reactions and, and really the energy in, you know, in that building throughout the whole, the whole night. And um, Yeah, you know, that, you know, that's what it is, man. It's, it's a credit to how good our fans are. You know, obviously it was Father's Day, so some of our, you know, longtime fans and, you know, they had other issues. You know, the Chief had stuff going on. And some of the fans, you know, they, they couldn't make it because of it. But then there were some fans we hadn't seen in a while. And, you know, they were excited uh, to have basically a Father's Day present of checking out FSW. And, and, and as usual with the fans, you know, you get at the end of the thing, the show, oh, one of the best shows ever. So it's like, you know what? <laughs> the, these fans just love what they're seeing. And, you know, thankfully, I put together shows where they feel that it's definitely important for them to come and see it. And regardless of, you know, 
the pricing or how their money situation is or, or, or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the other thing that stood out to me too, with the fans is what a nice turnout with uh, the youngsters out there, the kids in the audience. It was great to see. And there's nothing better than, you know, watching a match and then just catching your, your eye catches on that reaction of, you know, the, the mad kid or the shocked kid. Um, because that just, it's such a, a magical thing to see the suspension of disbelief that children have when, uh, when they watch, you know, the, or, or, top talented, or top crop makes, well, you know, <laughs> oh, thank God he got his hand up, though. I, I don't think he expected the back of the rail, but, man, if he wouldn't have got his hand up, whew, Tom Crawford would have been uh, wearing glasses uh, as well. So. You know, he, t- he took he took uh, MK's role. Since MK wasn't there, somebody had to get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> I'm so glad it wasn't Miranda. So... Yeah, because then Dom the Bomb would have had to come down and then, you know, take care of his girl's honor. Well, hey, you know what? It's been a while. We still need to see Dom come down. And uh, there was rumors he was going to come down. And then, you know, he chose not to. Guess he chose not to support his girl. Wow. So now we can force him to support his girl. You know, one of uh, Remy's first matches in Arizona was against Dom Vitale. Wow. Man, like, so Remy was probably around 22, 23, and Dom was, what, about 52 at that time? Something like that, yeah. (laughs) And on that note, next time I see Dom, I'll probably get my ass kicked. So there you go, fans. You can can see my goofy ass get get handed to me uh, the next time I – to Arizona. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, nobody's like jumped the rail to beat you up because you uh, wouldn't put them on the podcast because they weren't relevant enough, you know? Because I know you've told me in the past, like guys like the Suavecitos who beg to be on, you're like, dude, you guys aren't worthy to be on my show. So. Oh, you see, now you went with the Suavecitos. That was your mistake because as I'm leaving the parking lot, I see the Suavecitos. I roll down my window. I got Glenn King. I got Red Cup, Red Cup Jeff in the car. And uh, I take the time to tell the Suavecitos that I was disappointed we didn't see more Suavecitos on the show. So, Well, I'm don't worry. Saying. Brett the Threat was pitching, hey, what if we do a six-man tag with the Suavecitos? It's like, what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> but the crazy thing was after the Battle Royal, you know, Danny came back to tell me what a banger the battle royal match was because of them being in it so the banger uh and on that note everyone it was a banger episode uh and uh we will catch you guys next week